it is time to tune up the band and can you dig it sucker for it is another episode of the sweet chinwag podcast i am sam always alongside dan and reardon as we continue our journey for the wacky world of pro wrestling <laughs> hello chaps how you doing you know i you did a pretty good job with that you did, i have to yeah. say that was, that was really good. That I was really yeah. good. Thank you. Like, respect. Respect there. <laughs> I've been practicing, can't you tell? <laughs> yes, I can absolutely tell. Well, mind oh, you. mirror for like three hours. Your, your girlfriend must have been very confused. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mostly because I've been building to this moment my whole life ever since playing SmackDown Shut Your Mouth. And I always, always picked Booker T. He was in my top three choices in that game. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but yes I mean based but yeah oh man it has been a busy old week for me I don't know how it's been for you too <clears throat> well as I, as I said to these guys that they're both annoyed at me now because I get, I get a break from work <laughs> even if yes this week was incredibly busy for me uh, because as ever I am a victim of my own bad choices <laughs> Yes. That hasn't yes. changed. <laughs> Nor will it. Oh, it, it almost definitely won't ever change unless I actually ever properly get round to using a planner. Like every person that I talk to that's like, you know, for a person that's so incessantly organized and such a stickler for being on time, you don't really like, you know, like write stuff out or have stuff in a planner. Like, do you have one for work? And I'm like, yeah, I write down notes when I need to. And like, why don't you have a planner for like social events? I'm like, you think I'm gonna read that? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? This is, they, this is why there's a calendar app on everyone's phone. But do people use it? <laughs> no. Oh, That's what I, I don't mean. Know. Any anyone who uses that is a serial killer. Straight up. <laughs> Straight up. Man, you should talk to my former job place. Anyway, we give you this podcast. Thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. You know what, guys? I feel that if there's... We may be talking about Harlem Heat, but here in the Sweet Chin Road podcast, we are Harlem always be pending. <laughs> now, can you dig that? Uh... <laughs> I wonder if because it's, I feel like for a man who was born and raised in Texas, he gets a lot of references to New York throughout his career, doesn't he, old Booker T? Oh, it's... I mean, it, it, uh, as was the style of the time, I believe the phrase is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who knew such an innocuous quote from the Warriors would become end up being one of the most popular wrestling uh, wrestling catchphrases? Anyway. <laughs> Before we get on to our retrospective all on Harlem Heat, as we continue our celebration of Black History Month, we need to visit Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 dun. Wrestling news. <laughs> You're tired, aren't you, Dan? <laughs> Maybe I want to pause for dramatic effect. But okay. aren't we all really, Reardon? <clears throat> Oh, absolutely. I mean, you don't need to say it like that, but like you're cor- like you're correct. I it's hate true, it. I, shouldn't I hate it. it, but you're correct. It's true, but I shouldn't say it. Yeah. Um, let's get straight into it. And I think it's just best to start at um, 
I think to start our main topic of conversation kind of before we started, but man, these title swaps. <laughs> Ooh, Nelly. I thought I thought it was always a bit weird to have like football teams exchange flags just before the kickoff, but I didn't realise that it bled over to professional wrestling now. <laughs> Oh, you're on SmackDown. We're on Raw. Oh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Oh, oh we're swapping belts. Oh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Bye bye. I just, I just don't get it. <laughs> Who does? Because, because, like, obviously, the the most pressing thing about this is, I believe they've done this twice with the tag titles. <laughs> yes. Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure someone will. Oh, um, he's, no, he's right, John. He's right. <laughs> But um, yeah, they've done this twice with the title, and this will lead into a whole thing that I'll mention later about a conversation I had with people I know. Um, but like, they've done this twice with the tag titles, and <clears throat> mm. um, now it's bled over to the women's division. So I don't know if this is WWE's new hot thing. <laughs> um, but here's the problem I have with it. Uh, you see, there's this thing. I believe it's called Su- Survivor. Survivor Series, mm. which um, I believe, if I'm not wrong, is all about interbrand matches. <laughs> I, I don't. Sorry, it, you know, it, it's such an occasional thing. Uh, it's one of the smaller pay per views, you know. So it's the one that Vince McMahon hates the most. Like, I just, I just don't know why they keep reverting back to this thing it's almost like they are genuinely booking week by week and then just not realizing what's meant to be happening in the future because it again to be fair i mean this edition of the draft have had its time changed like six times <laughs> yes because i think it was originally meant to be in like june mm-hmm. <laughs> and now and now and now it's at like the end of october <laughs> <laughs> Because um, I definitely remember reporting before um, there's there's a report from probably from Fightful mm. about it changing uh, it changing to October, um, but you know it 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 obviously leads into this bigger thing about you'd think they treat the women's world title with a little bit more prestige, but you think um, as I as I said to someone I know. This is a world where apparently some of the women backstage were hoping, were waiting for Becky to come back in the hopes of improving the booking. Which, if that isn't a soul-crushing statement, I don't know what is. Oh no. Um, and it's just annoying to obviously see this idea get, you know, get just like reused again. Mm. This time for the women's division because. Like, even still, I feel like a, I feel like a good anchor for a storyline is holding the title hostage. I mean, yes, it would seem weird to see the, a raw title on SmackDown if you want to act it like that. But then it leads into a bigger thing of why not have them be non-branded titles, <laughs> or is that too much of a problem because it's not enough copyrightable logos to stick around everywhere? Oh. You've got to also think of the one thing: is color coordination as well, Dan. If you see a red oh, belt, that's what I mean. Oh, I know. It's so important. <laughs> the color balance is completely destroyed by that one bit of blue. <laughs> um, yeah, and so it's just annoying that obviously we we end up back around here, and, and 
I mean, we should, we, I will say it here. Um, we said it on social media as well for our own personal reasons. We aren't covering crown jewel specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our own objections to it, which we will be going over not next episode, but the week after it's obviously coming a bit late, but we want to, um, be reserving this for conversations around wrestling and race. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, obviously there were all those threads going around about the match time of the Queen's Crown tournament, which I mm. believe came out to about 19 minutes total. Yeah. 19 minutes, 25 total. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy to think that the entire span of the tournament took less time than a usual, I mean, I mean, by New Japan standards, that's a fast match, but... <sighs> <laughs> 19 minutes How, uh, 19, 19 minutes over the course of like 4 weeks all I'm saying is this right I still think Bruce Pritchard is of the mind that, that, that they are the toilet break match because the I mean the the final of the, the final of the tournament was 5 minutes something yeah yeah, he really him him and Laurenitis, I still think are of that mindset. It's like five to seven minutes total match time for the final match of the tournament, which is criminal. Among other things, with that with that with that show, but you know, I, I was going to say, yeah, in amongst everything else that comes with unpacking Crown Jewel, which we will do in two weeks' time. Um, but yeah, it 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 really it really does hurt to uh to have to see um the really thankful bit though is that we did get xavier woods as king of the ring and i Uh, think it is i think it is rightful time that we acknowledge the new day as, as i'm saying this as wrestling fans at large for us here right anything involving the new day is like a star rated basically from the start <laughs> yeah yeah yes i think it is time for rest it's obviously time for wrestling fans at large to acknowledge the new day as part of the pantheon there's i don't think there's any more debate that can be had nope. two world champions and the king of the ring winner yeah that's kind of crazy to say <laughs> but it's true you know however many tag title reigns they've had at this point however many intercontinental United States titles between the individual members, it's catapulted each one of them to become three of the most important people to WWE's brand, let alone the success of up, up, down, down. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like, I'm sorry, they're part of the Pantheon now, there's no debate. They are, they, they are the greatest faction in WWE history. There, I yeah. said it. No, but like, I, you're not wrong. Keep spitting. Keep spitting. <laughs> All I'll say is this, right, as well. It's like, could you have... Uh, I, I really want to see Xavier Woods double down on, on the King of the Ring thing and come out with a King Cooper crown. <laughs> now, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> just just, just look like Bowser. I swear to God that'll get you over. <laughs> oh, it absolutely will. It, it absolutely will um but no i mean obviously just everything with this is super super cool to see um 
it's a testament to his hard work and everything that we spoke about back in like episode four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bet- betting his success, willing to put himself on the line. Uh, and as ever, as I've said to other people, the new day is defined by their celebration of others of each other's successes. <laughs> and a big box of cereal. And a giant box of cereal. <laughs> and I again, I am just so happy that we are here now, and everything has kind of been realized. And it feels, it feels like the kind of, it's like one of those moments that takes you out, or takes you away from feeling like you're in the simulation. <laughs> oh hell yeah! It absolutely <laughs> does. I can't and al- and also for WWE, hopefully it's testament to the fact of, like we said before, um, sometimes doing the thing that everyone exactly expects you to do is a good thing. <laughs> yes. Sometimes it actually just makes sense, and you should do it. Like it's like a, it's like I said before with um some with like the kind of some of the approach to AEW's booking is that like. If everything in a story is pointing towards a certain point because you've built it in that way, that's what we call good storytelling. Yes. Yes. Like, that's a well-written story that's leading you to a final point. It's not like it's this bad thing that needs to be avoided. (laughs) It just works. Yes. It just works. Um, And, you know, now we're here on the back of it and you know seeing the amount of pride and the amount of people uh, the amount of people showing their happiness about all of this is just incredible and hugely empowering for really anyone to see mm-hmm. um and just knowing that we're you know we're at we're at this point now it's like the just the dream has been kind of partially realized <laughs> yeah but obviously yeah that's everything that that's that's how i see everything you might you might have a different view if you do have a different view all right cool <laughs> um going over to um AEW um i've been hearing lots of good stuff about about recent AEW shows haven't had the chance to catch up on them yet oh. um as sam was saying before um heard a lot of good stuff about pack andrade 2 on that, Rampage. That was I an mean, match. I don't think there's more that needs to be said about um, how... I can't lie, no one obsessed I am with Pac. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you are... You, it, it's starting to become a little bit of a problem. Look, I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the man's a Greek god built on Greg's. <laughs> Yeah, that that that's. I mean, that's disturbingly accurate. <laughs> it really is. Like, like, well played. That is exactly what it is. That is. <laughs> but um, no, I mean they're they're, they're both incredible. Um, and as I've been saying, I mean, obviously Andrade's come really calm to his own now. Um, and is really starting to set himself apart mm. from where he previously was. Um, so I think that's definitely quite interesting. 
um, and will obviously be interesting to see where he goes from here. Yes. Um, I maintain Puck should definitely be uh, in with in in pretty much regular contention for the title, mm-hmm. AEW world title. I'm gonna say this: he probably should. He almost definitely should win it at some point. <laughs> oh, absolutely, with, with <clears throat> without question. Um, oh man, I can't say anything uh, enough. Uh, I can't sing my praises enough about this match. But I know you two haven't seen it, so I really need to say to you two: go watch it. Make your own. Yeah, I'm going to. But it's a very I'm going strong to. match for the pair of them. The ending wasn't too bad <clears throat> as well because it sets up for the dynamite uh, on Saturday. Um, but one mm-hmm. thing I will say that I did love about Rampage this week is I'm a la- I- I'm happy to say this one that uh, the Orange Cassidy has advanced into the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament after a really yeah. good match with Powerhouse Hobbs. <clears throat> I think it came as a surprise to a lot of people because I think everyone was like, I think they really are going to stop, um, especially with the match with Punk. I think a lot they've put a- they're putting a lot of stock on Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, but no, it's always nice to see Orange Cassidy win and be considered, you know, being in the world title picture is... It's insane to say, but it's so fun to see. Yeah, It is very fun to see. I will, like, ask you guys, however, I, it, uh, how do you guys feel on the question of, on whether Orange Cassidy should be in the title picture or not, just due to his, you know, just due to his gimmick? I don't think I think it it's mm. one of those things of you know Orange Cassidy in conception according to traditional wrestling like rules shouldn't be because mm. you know it, in you could say tradition traditionalist view are we getting like am I like creating like philosophical perspectives on wrestling now the traditionalist the traditionalist position would posit that <laughs> You, um, Dan, what kind of podcast do we think we run? Of course, we're doing philosophical yes. things. On <laughs> um, do you know what? That was even worse. I was about to say an even more cursed statement after that. I was going to say the wrestling fundamentalist. Oh god, that's a oh, that's <laughs> it's it's a disgusting thought and also quite true. But continue. Yeah. Um. The 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 traditionalist's view would posit that because Orange Cassidy, um is a novelty Mm. that he shouldn't be in the world title picture but um uh, as as many people have said before and as i like to use i believe from joseph's video on orange cassidy which is that orange cassidy is a postmodern wrestling gimmick yes (laughs) yes absolutely In that, obviously, because of in a time where people care so much and put so much stock into work rate, as they should, um, a guy who does the exact opposite and, like, tr- you know, shows effort when he wants to um, is obviously funny. <laughs> but I think AEW have done pretty well at sh- striking that balance. I think they really have. And he, gone- he, he, he is obviously a novelty but um i guess you could say it's something that aw have been pretty good at in that <clears throat> yes he's a novelty but he isn't explicitly a joke mm-hmm. he's funny and does funny and silly stuff 
but he's still a wrestler. It's kind of in the same way that um, you could argue uh, New Japan used Toriano up until about like 2019. Yeah. <clears throat> in that, like, yes, he's funny and does dumb stuff, but like Toriano is a legit shooter <laughs> when he wants to be, like when he needs to, and the situation calls for it, he can get a win on anyone. But obviously, like, ever since, like, 2019, they've kind of lent the exact opposite way and have just gone, like, ah, funny, man. Um, so I think I think they're striking a good balance with it. I mean, I can say I have seen one bit of that match, and that's when Powerhouse Hobbs absolutely eviscerates Orange Cassidy on the Spine Buster. Yes. Of which I am going to say I, Powerhouse Hobbs is climbing up the ranking with that spine buster alone because that looks that that stuff look that thing looks like a menace <laughs> oh yeah. um mm. so okay, i would love to see more stock behind powerhouse hobbs yeah <clears throat> i think that'll be sooner I, I rather think, than I, later yeah i think it's going to be sooner rather than later it's it's definitely his time he looks like the person <clears throat> who they are going to get to make that step um <clears throat> You know, obviously, you've also got like um, Dante Martin that could be looking at making that step, um, and a couple people that could be there very soon. Obviously, as we know with wrestling, it just takes the people getting behind them and putting them in those positions. Oh, with all this talk, has reminded me that uh, AEW recently released a Four Pillars T-shirt, and what I'll say is, I think they may. Well, they've jumped the gun because, A, I don't think really a company should acknowledge, uh, uh, so early should acknowledge about having four pillars of the future. But I think they might have got all four of them wrong. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, who did they put as the four pillars? So they put Darby, MJF, Sammy Guevara and Jungle Boy on those shirts. I think they may have got them all wrong because honestly, I think the people that are that there, there are a lot more people. I think that could be pillars of that company in the very near future. And they said, and they said four pillars of the future. Yes, because mm. to me, I, I think those guys are the four pillars of current <clears throat> AEW. If you ask me, well, I was gonna say like they're just the four pillars of now. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <clears throat> But yeah, it's, it's balls of a company to make that assumption and put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it, it's crazy that they'd be there and just throw that on a shirt. I mean, obviously, as as I as I've been sending you Sam, recently, Sam, just fucking Tony yes. Khan's other memes. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say somewhere Toshiaki Kawada is getting ready to kick someone's head in. Is like, what are they? What the? Excuse me. Hey, I wouldn't even be surprised. Uncle, um, did you see the thing from the uh, one of the re- the recent DDT shirt Korakuen? Yeah. <laughs> it was just Jun Akiyama just being incredibly pissed off. Yes. It's really fun. It's really funny to me, but um, <laughs> he's just there, just like absolutely seething with rage. Um, but yeah, I think I think it. I think it's it's interesting. Uh, obviously, they've got the TBS title tournament for the women for the women's the second women's title, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously interesting. <clears throat> I did like the thing of the women who were higher up in the rankings getting a bye. I thought that was quite cool. That yeah, that was. Um, but the fact the fact that it's only like um, an eight bracket rather mm-hmm. than a sixty, it should have been a sixteen. I reckon it should have personally. Been as well, yeah, 
just because they've got loads of really good people they could at least include mm-hmm. kind of through that <clears throat> and so like it could there could have been some cool like tiering with it with like you know the top rated don't you know like all right here's some more niche cultural references (laughs) (laughs) um for american listeners that don't understand how um the fa cup works let me explain (laughs) you could have done it like you know the first round is all like it could be like women uh the women in the company who are like either unsigned or recently signed or have been like doing stuff on dark then you could have like, then they come up against say like twenty to, you know, like twenty to ten in the rankings or whatever. Yeah, and then they go up against like number one to five in the third round. The top yeah. level teams enter the enter at the third round, and everyone else before that has to like qualify, and like stuff gets like teams get like layered in according to quality. And for some reason, Manchester United end up winning the TBS Championship. Uh, it always happens every single year. <laughs> you know, it, it be like that. It be like that. Um, I don't know. I thought that could that, that could be a cool approach. It's probably too complicated for a lot of wrestling fans. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. That's a joke. How dare you assume that I don't know the FA Cup? <laughs> um. But you know, I've you know, they, I feel like there could have been more uh, to do with it. But um, obviously, lots of absolutely amazing uh, women in there. Lots of matches that I'm looking forward to, like the Layla Hirsch match, because she's been absolute, on absolutely fire. Yeah. Um, for anyone that hasn't, go watch her match with um, Masha Slamovich at Borscht at the Beach. Oh, really good. That was a great match. <clears throat> um. You know, whatever comes of it, basically anything other than Thunder Rosa, who I believe should be AEW Women's Champion in just any way, mm-hmm. <laughs> or Jade Cargill. Yeah, I'd go for those two. I would probably say it was it was going to be Jade, uh, Jade uh, because I think everyone is is going to is thinking that uh, yeah, Thunder Rosa is probably going to be the next Women's Champion, and that's not a bad yeah. thing. Yeah. No, yeah. no, not at all. We need it in our lives. <laughs> oh, no, we... I mean, look, as we've said on this podcast before, this podcast stands in full support of just absolute hoss women wrestlers. Absolutely. <laughs> that And that's certified. <laughs> <laughs> that is for true. That is for that true. Is for, that is for true. Um, but like I said, it... Um, Obviously, lots of great stuff, as ever. I, again, I hope that this tournament is a really kind of good sticking point for AEW thinking about their women's division and just kind of, you know, layering up, building that quality, getting back up to where, you know, things re- really should be. Mm. And, you know, you, you've got potential for gr- for some great matches in there. Um <clears throat> And hope, hopefully this can be a real drive to get someone that's going to really push Britt Baker. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, I thought maybe those matches with Ruby Soho would 
and they, they did they did but you know someone to, to to push her even further to make it even more uncertain absolutely so, we'll see i mean again continuing on talking about bits of women's wrestling um tjpw had a couple shows recently mm-hmm. that were all pretty damn fantastic <clears throat> As per usual this year, <clears throat> yeah. As as per usual, um, <clears throat> uh, great to see uh, Marika Kabashi really coming on. Yeah, developing really well could be a really good point for the future for them. Um, and that's that's really just um, across the board, honestly. Um. And I don't know. It's just it's just really really uh, impressive to see. There's lots of, again as ever. There's lots of really really good wrestling out there. Yes. a lot of the time. <laughs> see, is it just you just you, you, you don't have to wait or like watch every week for that glimmer of hope. There is there are always there is always good wrestling on every single week. You just need to yeah. find it. Yeah, I mean, for for anyone else that's out there that's interested, I mean, this isn't recommendation corner, but consider it just because we're talking about wrestling. Um, Noah's been on um, been on a bit of a tear recently. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> hell, there's other news. I mean, it was it was on like Tuesday by this point, so we're already way late on it. But um, Zeus leaving all Japan. Yeah, that's surprising. To restart Osaka Pro. <laughs> to which, I, yeah, to which I was like, oh <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> to, to, to try and give people who don't watch All Japan a context of this, I don't even know what the context exactly would be. <clears throat> just imagine, just imagine, like, um, <clears throat> you know, just imagine like someone big in WWE just being like. Hey, I'm leaving. Oh, and like, by the way, I'm just restarting this company that's been defunct for like, functionally defunct for like 15 years. <laughs> <clears throat> to which everyone, and I mean everyone, from <clears throat> from fans to wrestlers alike, were like, "Excuse me, what?" <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what I mean. He 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 just he was just there and just went. All right, I'm off. Um, <clears throat> Because like it, it, it's worth saying that Osaka Pro was one of the early companies he worked for, mm-hmm. and like kind of gave him his start and a lot of mentoring and a lot of people that were there trained him and stuff. So he holds it very close to his heart, which is why I again I, I love this story so much because <clears throat> it's so it's so spiritual in a weird way. Yes, yes, <clears throat> indeed. But I just love the thing of just him being at All Japan and then just like choosing to leave but like oh by the way i'm like restarting this company <laughs> and and now the thing is they're going into it and it looks like they're going to make a working agreement yeah that's it's so <clears throat> so freaking cool to see so <clears throat> oh tell you what is cool as well that i watched uh yesterday evening actually i forgot because mm-hmm. the thought never crossed my mind i watched blood sport 7 yesterday oh hell oh, yeah. yeah oh man that was a bloody good good event so i mean look i'll run i won't run down the whole car but some of the highlights for me were uh clark connors making his first uh um first appearance of blood sport defeating royce isaacs by submission i swear to god clark connors looks more like hangman page's brother every single day <laughs> marina You're not wrong marina shafir and massa slam yeah had an awesome match which shafir won via submission 
Davy Richards beating Yuya Yamura by submission as well. Oh, and then we get the two, like, the two big matches. Josh Barnett versus Tiger Huas, who was the formerly Arturo Huas in mm. WWE. Oh, those guys are good together. They were yeah. so good together. It ended with uh, Barnett defeating Ruas by submission. And then we got Chris Dickinson versus Minoru Suzuki. And of course, Suzuki came. He, he, he saw, he conquered and left <clears throat> once more. I mean, again, um, <clears throat> for anyone that didn't see his um, sh- relatively short appearance on AEW Dark, um, I recommend watching. Um, so he was Tiger Ruas in Bloodsport, but he's Adrian Jaud in AEW, which is mm-hmm. just his actual name. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's really cool because obviously, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's that it's that combination of the you know real jujitsu and judo experience mm. in the wrestling context. Because he was doing some really cool moves. Mm. And it's stuff that, uh, for a lot of wrestling fans, they're never going to have seen before. Yes. <clears throat> so it, it's really, it's really really cool to see. Should say as well, because you mentioned Suzuki, uh, Suzuki versus Dominic Guarini. Oh, I heard uh, that. Time I, heard bomb, good I heard good things about it. I need to go back and watch that probably yeah, tomorrow. Um, Again, I haven't I haven't had the chance to uh, properly watch it, but I have heard only great stuff. <laughs> Indeed, same, same. It's crazy. To, it's crazy to think that Minoru Suzuki on his ones is just completely outclassing the G one. Of course, we should say the G one final was held, um, and Okada won because Ibushi dislocated his shoulder. Unfortunately, yeah, in a very oh man, in a very in a very rough landing, a very um, rough landing. <laughs> Because I know I mean, he again, usually likes it's... to use his neck, shoulders, and head as a yeah. uh, to, <laughs> to fall on or to break his fall, but that was a bit too much. <laughs> he really did whack himself. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot to be said about the you know the G1 final being Okada versus Ibushi, mm. and you know Okada Okada winning. I mean, I, I can very much tell by Okada's face that I don't think he was supposed to win. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, which at this point would have taken Ibushi to four in a row. That would have been, yeah, that would have been four G. Oh, crumbs, that would have been, yeah. Oh. Wow. And that that opens up its own can of worms. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, and ba- basically the end of it is when um, I said I said to uh, my friend, I'm gonna slap Ghetto's face off. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? You are right because it's. I feel like. Man, they really have. They really have been uh, scraping the barrel, and I feel like they really do need. To- I mean, I'm not just saying like put some- make someone else the champion or something. They really, on a fundamental level, New Japan has to shake things up. They really, Cause, really. Because here's the thing I was saying, right? And again, this is just reminding me of a separate thing that I will get to. We could have had Cobb ZSJ, which yeah. is its own thing. Mm. We could have had Cobb Okada. And and you know any other any other iteration. <clears throat> Personally, if I could have got Cobb Shingo again, I'd have loved it because that uh, match early this year is still in the runnings for my favorite match of the year. Yeah, that match fucks. <laughs> um, 
and anything and anything like that. They need to shake this picture up. They they absolutely <clears throat> because do. at this point it it's just getting so stale. And the problem, the thing about it is that like Ghetto's treating Ibushi as like a go- a go- literal golden boy. Yeah, but but the problem is, is it's becoming so stale. <clears throat> yeah, I feel bad. And the problem for, is, that the, and the thing is, is, I don't feel like Ibushi can continue it. No. Yeah. Mm. I feel bad you know, the, for Shingo. The, the shine really only lasts so long. I do feel bad for Shingo because Shingo is becoming the side man in all of this. Yeah. And like the good thing is, obviously Shingo, Shingo versus Okada, who can who can larry at someone else's head off. <laughs> Um, is going to be great, and it looks like from the presentation they're going to be setting up um, it being like Okada saying that it lets you challenge for the heavyweight, not like the heavyweight world or whatever they call it now. Yeah. So he it might be that Okada's looking at bringing back the V4. If that's the case, I think he might be the savior of 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 of, of New Japan if he did that. I'll that's why right, that, that, that that's the thing. I'm like. <laughs> That that might that might be that might be the change that's needed. And if I can see Shingo with the V four, I'll be much happier than seeing it with than seeing him with the heavy with the heavy world thing. Oh, with the with the Shadowloo logo, yeah. Yeah, the shad the the Cody's neck tap belt. <laughs> um, and 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 that's the thing. Um, so who knows how how things are gonna are gonna come out of this because I. I'll be honest, I have no idea. What I can say, though, is again from that recent event that Katsuyori Shibata wrestled a five-minute UWF rules exhibition against ZSJ, and he said he's committed to coming back to the ring. Now. (laughs) From the man who nearly died in the ring. He nearly died? So what? if you don't know, like a Cliff Notes version, uh, Reardon, he uh, challenged for the... IWGP will uh sorry heavyweight championship against Okada and one of his signature moves was doing a a a uh, a stiff headbutt so much so you could actually hear the clanging of skulls together yes. if you listen carefully oh, enough. it's basically oh, no. a shoot headbutt and a he sh- was doing that for like 15 years oh, <laughs> he, now no. what he would usually do to soften the blow was he would use his thumbs to kind of soften it um he did not take kindly to Okada especially some of his ego so he put a lot of mustard in that headbutt and uh, almost, well, had a hematoma that nearly killed him. It paralysed one side of his body, actually, in the ma- during the match and had to be taken, like, uh, the match had to be ended very quickly and he got taken to hospital and had to have the re- uh, swelling reduced in his brain and that effectively re- made him re- retired. Uh, it was a, it, thankfully it was it was an actual that some uh, doctors say it was an actual miracle that you that he that he's still alive. So to see him in a ring wrestling again, and not only is that, but you know, from we thought it was a miracle that he was head coach at the LA Dojo, but to now be in the ring a, again, yeah, oh, it's a miracle. It's an actual miracle. So who knows? <laughs> because I mean, again, at this point, wrestling's become so crazy that I have no idea how to justify anything anymore. Twenty one, twenty twenty one's fucking nuts, man. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> it really has been for wrestling. It has been nuts. Um. So I mean, both myself, Sam, IQ, a couple of the guys I've spoken to on other podcasts are 
very much happy to see Shibata back. Yes. And who knows, maybe he might become the weird anti-hero savior of New Japan for all I know and care. As long as he kicks Kenta's <laughs> ass, I think I'll be happy with that. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I think that's going to be the first thing. He's going to come in there and just drop kick Kenta's head off <laughs> for still being part of Bullet Club in 2021. <laughs> as he should, as he should. <laughs> but, um, you know, wrestling. And that's a good way to bookmark the end of the news, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> that is wrestling. the end of the news. So we're on to Recommendation Corner. Do we have a featured wrestler of the week, Dan? Uh, this week is not about um, featured wrestlers, but featured wrestling creators. Hey. Of which, of course, I want to give a huge shout out, obviously, to the guy to the guys over at Tiger Driver and Kristen himself. Mm. We say it like every week, but their stuff's so great. Yes. Uh, and seeing his Ready to Rumble shirt featured at uh, being worn by Xavier Woods in his um, official promo picture as King of the Ring. Mm is fucking awesome i love seeing that um so absolutely amazing for that obviously as ever if sam's not going to do it this week i'm going to do it only have a shout out to j rose for being incredible <laughs> um and again all the amazing work done by the amazing people over at paradigm pro wrestling yep uh and then just quickly a few other people i want to give shout outs to uh steph hardy of the hardy wrestling podcast she was uh originally planned to be joining us but not able to so that's all being moved around and refitted and we're gonna have a really nice big discussion about black women in wrestling oh heck yeah um and then just finally because i want to give him a shout out and because they've been really really cool and really really nice to me i want to give a shout out to troy from the untitled wrestling podcast i absolutely love you man you're great you're great he's they are all lovely peeps Lovely peeps indeed. Reardon, what is your recommendation for this week? Okay, recommendation keeping in keeping in line with Black History Month. I have got another beautiful black creator for you to look at. This is an interesting one as the following creator wears a lot of hats in terms of what in terms of stuff that she does. And that person is Princess Weeks. That is her actual name, I believe, Princess Weeks. Oh, wow. Yes, I know. Fascinating. She is the assistant editor of the website The Mary Sue. But most um, most importantly, in terms of content, she has her own YouTube channel, which is, I've got it up, Melina Pendulum. Ooh. And she is the co-host of a PBS YouTube show called It's Lit, talking about various literary concepts and, I believe, books as well. She is great. I have been watching her stuff for a while now. Extremely insightful, extremely funny and witty. Does just... Of all the people I've recommended, there is a lot with her. I don't entirely know where to begin. There is a lot of... Um, there's a lot of articles, a lot of videos of varying degrees and concepts. Like you could spend a good few weeks just going, just combing through all of her stuff, but all of it is worth it. Been a big fan of hers for ages. And she is my recommendation. You can also find her on Twitter. Uh, when, and speaking of which her, um, surname is, is W E E K E S. And, uh, so check her out. She's great. She is great. 
and a big Sailor Moon fan, which we love to see. All right, then that 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 bumps up my recommendation even more. <laughs> my, 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 my required <laughs> viewing even more there. So there we go. <laughs> All right, then, chaps. Let us get on to the main portion of this episode and let's talk about Harlem Heat. Now, I said before recording that I picked up picked up a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff during my research of these guys, and uh, it's they have such a very interesting life indeed, both Stevie and Booker. But before we get into all of that and go through how I always usually like to go through this, do you have any recollections of Harlem Heat as a tandem <clears throat> or as a, or as singles <clears throat> singles guys? Um, so this is where I have to shame myself as resident Booker T stan. <laughs> my knowledge on Harlem Heat is severely lacking. <laughs> it's it's another thing of as we have we pointed out at, during the time it was quite rare, especially considering once it became the Monday Night Monday Night Wars, yeah. you wouldn't be able to watch both. Yes. So well, yeah. unfortunately, <laughs> I was WWF, not WCW for the most part. So I miss the heyday of Harlem Heat, despite them being an extremely, extremely important part. Like, one whole half of one of my favorite wrestlers of all time's career. Yes. Which I, yeah. I just missed, which is, a abs- which is an absolute tragedy. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, obviously, <clears throat> part, part of it for me is purely just missing the time frame mm. <laughs> and then obviously kind of <clears throat> the way booker t's career continued on from that point yes <clears throat> but um my my kind of introduction to harlem heat <clears throat> uh kind of came through the, you know, like the start of wanting to go back through wrestlers' careers mm. Mm. and trying to like look back on that, you know, ver- various bits that were going on and various things that were happening and that I thought were, you know, important or, or worth going back through. And then, you know, kind of that thing of being like, oh, I didn't know this person worked you know when you first go through that journey in wrestling of like moving beyond like the company you watch mm. again as ever <clears throat> being of the younger disposition <laughs> <clears throat> um i very much grew up in a world that was pretty much only <laughs> wwf slash <laughs> e um and the only time anything ever happened after that would would have been with WWF and WWE and TNA, which obviously is not relevant to this discussion that much. <laughs> not much. Would you go? Um, oh, so, so yeah. So like, it, kind of having to go back and go beyond and be like, oh, this person worked at another company for like years. Oh, they did something else before this. Oh, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> Yeah, would you guys be surprised to to know that my like my first exposure to Harlem Heat was through WCW NWO Revenge for the Nintendo sixty? Not in the slightest. Not <laughs> again. Slightest. I can't lie; it probably was for me as well. <laughs> and uh, it was late ninety nine as well when they reformed. But I'm getting ahead of myself on that one. We're gonna go straight to the beginning, as we always like to do with these retrospectives. So. <clears throat> 
Lash, born in 1958, and Robert Booker Tio Huffman, born in 1965, both grew up in Houston, Texas in a family of eight. As it's well documented, the brothers' upbringing was far from easy, as their parents both uh, passed away at a very young age. Uh, Booker and Lash had had to learn to grow up fast, with Booker uh, usually moving around the Houston area quite a bit, first with his sister, before then moving in with Lash at the age of 17. Now, I won't go into too much about it, for, of course, we'll most likely end up doing a Booker T episode as mm-hmm. well. But as, as it's been well documented and Booker has said for himself, around his teenage years, he was arrested and pleaded guilty for robbery. He'd be sentenced to five years in prison. Uh, but he knew that what he had done was a massive mistake, hence why he didn't make much of a fuss of trying to find it, like make himself not guilty. He knew that he made a big mistake and knew that he'd need to turn his life around after he's re- he was released. Fortunately for Booker, though, he would only serve a third of his sentence before being released on parole until 1992. Now, what was Lash doing at this time? In 1989, he began a career in pro wrestling after being trained by Scott Casey and Ivan Putsky. Beginning beginning in Putsky's Western Wrestling Alliance as the Super Collider. Now. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I, you know what? I love that. The Super Collider? Fucking hell yeah. I, I must admit, I'm going... I I'm going back on back and forth on that name because it's like either either that's a biggie or that's a shock master and there is no in between. Oh trust me. Oh yeah, no. That there, there there is straight up no middle ground with that name, and that's part of why I love it. <laughs> oh trust me, the names for 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 old Stevie Ray get better. <laughs> oh, yeah. After his release and wanting to pursue a better life for his uh, for himself. <clears throat> and a career uh, for himself and his son, Booker, under the advice of Lash, approached Ivan Putsky's training school to learn the ropes and was trained by his brother's trainer, the aforementioned Scott Casey. Booker would also debut in WWA as GI Bro (laughs) and began a rivalry with his brother, the newly christened Jive Soul Bro. (laughs) Now. The Battle of the Bros. (laughs) You know that you know that thing on Twitter where it's like, what's something that isn't racist but feels racist? <laughs> yeah. I feel like Jive Soul Bro comes like close on that line. Although I don't also I also don't get to decide where that line is. I, speaking on behalf of someone who can decide that line, I need to think about it. I yeah. Really do. <laughs> um. I can't lie, though. I feel like it's a downgrade from the Super Collider. Oh, it's an absolute. Like, no matter what, <laughs> it is an absolute downgrade. <laughs> For sure. For sure. I mean, you could tell that was definitely a late 80s sort of gimmick thing. The Super oh. Collider. Oh, like 10,000%. But it doesn't change the fact that, that if I ever get into wrestling, yes. if I can, I want to take that and run. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if he still owns the rights to it. Anyway, uh, where are we getting? I'm getting way ahead of myself here. Do, does Western Wrestling Alliance exist? Um, for, well, I was about to get onto that. So WWA, <laughs> they would eventually close their doors in the early '90s. So you may have a chance. At We're in, boys. Um, 
<laughs> but because go. of that, the brothers would begin touring the Texas Independence as a tag team, and in 1992 caught the eye of the Global Wrestling Federation in Dallas. It was in GWF that they were repackaged as the Ebony Experience, and they oh quickly rose up the ranks of the tag division. The... Okay, so <clears throat> that that is a definite feels racist. On the other hand, the Ebony Experience also kind of slaps, so I don't know how to feel. Why does it feel? Why does it feel like the name of an album that an artist that is trying to be Prince? Oh, I swear would to God, release. Yeah. I swear to God, right? The the promo <clears throat> shots they have at this time of them as the Ebony Experience look like they're a cross between. <clears throat> I swear to God, Prince and Rakeem and Eric B. I swear to there is no in between. That fascinating. That's a fascinating combination right there. <laughs> like, like the like the name. Like, like it's 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 giving me like a knockoff kind of like I, I was gonna say like knockoff Lauren Hill vibes. <laughs> mm. Oh my god! <laughs> like someone that's trying <laughs> way too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Ebony experience really feels like that, like them, like those old, those underground hip hop, very Afrocentric. Yes. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we're getting. It might here. all, uh, it might also verge into slam poetry at times. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But would you believe, though, chaps, especially in Texas, that these guys were really over as the Ebony experience in GWF? <clears throat> You're gonna to have to I explain mean, a little bit more. Okay, so they, I, I mean, just, okay, but like, where? I mean, this is probably not information you have on hand. Mm. Do you know roughly where GWF was based? Dallas. Okay, that might go some way to explaining it. Cause <laughs> I feel like I, I don't know. I feel like I mean, to be fair, Houston's normally the area I'd associate with black culture in Texas. But then again, Dallas and Houston aren't horribly far away. I believe, they, so. I believe I have so. no idea about US geography. <laughs> so, they had to explain this. They, as I said, they quickly rose up the ranks of the tag division and they eventually won the GWF Tag Championships in July of the same year. They would go on to win the titles a further two times in their tenure in GWF, with their third reign being the longest. Now, here we, here we go. After getting noticed... By Psycho Sid Vicious in mid 1993, <laughs> he was the one that, that recommended the brothers to WCW upper management and they offered them the deal. What the fuck was Sid doing there? <laughs> that is the big question. Fun fact Sid even let the two stay at his apartment in Georgia when they started out in WCW. I- I didn't know Sid rode so hard for the culture. They really did. He really did. For those... Go on, Sid. <laughs> oh. And to hear I thought all this man cared about was playing softball. Why me? <laughs> oh, I feel like this just adds more to... to... I feel like it just adds more to Sid's mystique in my like headcanon of wrestling. Oh heck yeah! When I saw it, I was like, "Wait, excuse me, what? It was Sid." I was like, "What the fuck is Sid doing in this situation? What's he doing in this story?" Oh man. Okay, he, it's the last time. I here. fucking, 
I fucking love this man. <laughs> yes, indeed, so indeed. Dumb. So let us get to a very controversial time in Harlem Heat's career and their and their like in their timeline. Their WCW debut as the Chain Gang. So, I wonder where this could go wrong. Here we go. It's then. not. It's not like the company is based in the South or anything. <sighs> Okay, if you think this is bad... Stairs, stairs at Atlanta City Limits sign. <laughs> oh, if this if you think this sounds bad, trust me, it might get a bit worse it... for you. Anyway. <laughs> what the, well, it's the thing where it's like, um... Uh, don't, don't worry, Stalker. It only gets worse from here. <laughs> oh, no. Here we it's go. True. So, Booker and Lash would debut in WCW during the house show circuit in August of 1993 under new names. Booker would now be known as Cole, and Lash would be known as Kane. And the tag team was originally known as the Chain Gang. Oh, boy. It's all right. So... Hear me out. Listen, li- just hear me out. On this any one, any amount of stuff that you say beyond this point, I'm I'm gonna hear and I'm just gonna disregard. Oh yes, me 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 all all me as well. Trust me, even when yes. I was typing this down. So the brothers were given an absolutely batshit insane gimmick that caused a horrible reaction from fans. Okay, so the gimmick of Colton Kane was that they were prisoners who had been won in a card game. <sighs> By Colonel Robert Parker. Okay, there's too much we need to unpack in that yes. statement. Yeah. That, God, you oh have said God. like 10 words, and there's like 50,000 things we need to talk about. Oh, I, I was going to say, let me finish, because it it does get a bit worse. Cause I Do might... I want to let you finish? <laughs> um, I, the, 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 line, the line I'm going to use is, <clears throat> I'm sickened but curious. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good way for it. Okay, so I'll 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 you'll, I'll I will make a big pause when you can when you have the the whole questions because you'll have fifty thousand more. He would use them to do his bidding and dirty work, and if that wasn't bad enough, they would wear prison overalls and come down to the ring wearing hand and foot shackles. <clears throat> okay, so uh, first off, uh, there are more questions than you can give me answers to. Yes. Um, second of all, um, <clears throat> I don't think any amount of um, shifting around can turn this even into anything vaguely ironic. No, absolutely not. There is basically, it's, you know, in the show that we do for over a year, it's still impressive how rare it is that we get an idea that has literally no redeeming qualities, and this is one of them. Oh, yeah. Like, when we talk about how we love the stupid stuff in wrestling, we do. But it, again, stupid often comes with bad. And this is bad stupid in all the worst ways possible. Yeah. Um, not least in that it's both... <clears throat> morally horrifying mm. um and yet so incredibly indicative of the u.s justice system experience <sighs> yep oh yeah um, <clears throat> which is a conversation in, in its own 
Um, yeah. Which, uh, as I found far before, too large even for this tangent. Which is far too large. A, far too large for this tangent, and B, for a lot of Americans to even talk about, from my experience anyway. Mm. So, um, and I'll be honest, I didn't think that talking about uh, Booker T, Stevie Ray, and Harlem Heat as a whole would lead to any kind of. Um, thinking on my mind about U.S. prison reform. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not. Uh, yeah, but I one. mean, to be fair, if you're a wrestling fan, this should really be a point of you to start thinking about it. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. especially if they felt normalized and empowered to do this in what 1993. It would, yeah, 1993. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking horrifying on its own. Um, but yeah, this has literally nothing redeeming about it. Um, and not. I hate that someone even came into thinking this was a good idea. I'm glad you went to that, Dan. So would you like to know some of the conflicting <laughs> reports stating who came up with the idea? Who came up with this? Oh, please. Oh, come on, because, because of course, anyone who came up with this was definitely going to fucking own it. You'd be definitely... Be- I, imagine, I imagine the moment after someone put that in the writer's room... They fucking Alan Smithied that shit straight away. Oh, you, yeah, oh, yes. you are so not far from being wrong there. Like, genuinely, I bet the mo- someone put that in there, thought they had an amazing idea. Everyone else reacted to it, went, what the fuck? And they Alan Smithied the shit out of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So, one, uh, so the conflicting reports. So, one mentions that Sid Vicious <clears throat> suggested it to Dusty Rhodes and it was okayed by him. Michael Hayes says that Ole Anderson came up with the idea. And to add even more confusion, Stevie Ray stated on the Title Match Wrestling Network YouTube channel that it was him and Booker who came up with the gimmick. Now, Booker has no recollection of this, and Stevie would continue to say that they were supposed to be their own team and that adding Colonel Parker to them was an an 11th hour decision. Booker has has gone on record as to say, oh well, again that he had no recollection of Stevie ever coming up with the idea, but also to say that uh, I really didn't want to do the gimmick, but you know this was the Good Boys Network and we had our foot in the door, and this was a case of well we'll do anything really to a be on TV and <clears throat> keep a job basically. Well, that that's the thing. It was you doing something you you despise to you know keep yourself in because it's either that or you know you you know you get let and that's it yeah there's no yeah. there's no real coming back um i mean i mean the thing is i don't fi- the only thing I can think of in regards to the Stevie Ray thing is if he thought about something kind of similar in conception, yeah. and then it became this. Because hmm. yeah. it might have been that, like, obviously Stevie Ray said, oh, well, we want to do us together. And, you know, you know whatever, whatever that idea is, even if it's not this one, and then just fucking WCW management turned it into this. Yeah, I would happen to think there might be an air of truth to possibly all of the all of them, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, something tells me this is this is like you don't. One person doesn't collect. Doesn't no. make this. 
This, because, it takes a village to make something like this. Because again, like, <clears throat> even when I'm thinking about the names that you said, like, okay, I know like Michael Hayes can be a bit egregious at times mm. with his stuff. I don't think he'd be as egregious as this, though. <laughs> I mean, again, that, that's me acting like I, I know people what people's thought processes are, but exactly. like that, this is fucking egregious. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, the same, the same with um, Ole Anderson. Like he did have a lot of very awful ideas. Mm. And and again, yes. I think I think obviously part like Rian said, it takes a village to create something like this. There had to have been other people. This had to have been approved by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Because uh, so, like part yeah. of this, it must have been approved by network. Ah, I'll get to that. I will get to that. So it really comes as no surprise uh, that when the Chang Gang were made were supposed to make their uh, TV taping debut, Turner Broadcasting were absolutely appalled by the gimmick and demanded that they not show the footage and to change yeah. the gimmick immediately. Yeah, I'm I'm not yes. surprised because I can't believe I'm saying this. Potentially Ted Turner was the one who had sense. <laughs> what what yeah. a world we live in in 1993. I'm, I'm just, I like like theoretically Ted Turner or Ted Turner's board of directors were the ones who had sense in that situation. <laughs> and again, we're That's talking about thought. we're talking about Ted Turner here. <laughs> God, that's a terrifying thought. If you want to learn more about Ted Turner, listen to our WCW episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah, please. <laughs> so, the gimmick was dropped, and in September of 93, Kane and Cole would debut on TV as Harlem Heat. Now, we're rid of that one. We can actually get into the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. So, we can get to Harlem Heat and Sister Sherry. So... After their TV debut and being pitted up against well-established face tag teams, Harlem Heat were making their presence felt in World Championship Wrestling, even getting into the main event of their very first pay-per-view match being the War Games match at Fall Brawl 93. Oh, wow, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, crazy. So, the start of 94, two big things happened for Harlem Heat. Sherry Martell began managing them as Sister Sherry. Outstanding choice, because Sherry Out Martell is incredible. Yes. Just absolutely incredible. And Cole and Kane finally became Booker T and Stevie Ray. This became the linchpin for their success in the company, as they, alongside the Steiner brothers, became an integral part of the tag team division and just wcw programming as a whole yeah no it, yeah. It, it's true after a string of great work 1994 finally paid off for them as they won their first wcw tag team championships in december defeating star and stripes the team of marcus bagwell and the patriot del wilkes <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate its existence. <laughs> this began... Um, oh, God. This began the legacy of Harlem Heat and their record-breaking 10 reigns as tag team champions. And so, I'm going to get into kind of like a condensed history into Harlem Heat's 10 reigns as the tag champs. So, uh, buckle in, guys, because this is, this is going to be a long ride, this one. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
In mid-1995, after dropping and regaining the titles from the Nasty Boys, because of course Hogan's boys would get the rub, (laughs) Booker and Stevie Ray would become tweeners and begin a feud with Dick Slater and Bunkhouse Buck. I'm sorry, I'm... I'm such oh, a child. Dick oh, Slater oh, you and me back. too. You and me both. Dick Slater. Uh, these two. Just continue. Ignore me. Both of the, the, that team was managed by Colonel Robert Parker. Harlem Heat would drop the titles to them on a Saturday night show in July. And a storyline would, uh, would involve here involving a, a love affair between Parker and Sherry, which would see Parker ditch Slater and Bunk and side with Harlem Heat and lead them to win the titles for a third time at Fall Brawl 1995. You reckon they were just there, just like, can you please leave? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we want nothing to do with you anymore. Oh, well, that probably was true. That is probably true. <clears throat> so this reign, funnily enough, would last only one day. Before they dropped them to the American males, American males, American, American, American males. males. <laughs> it's old Scotty Riggs. Uh, or if you look at like promo pictures of Scotty Riggs at this time, he does look like <laughs> Ethan Klein from H3H3. Do you know the oh weird thing is? I, I don't think I ever conceptualized how significant fucking buff bagwell was to wcw <laughs> yeah he really was you don't i really it. i really don't think i actually properly conceptualized it i feel like we may have to do just by proxy of all these wcw episodes that we do have to do one of buff bagwell's <laughs> yeah we definitely like, do he just keep he just keeps reappearing he's another he is he is he trying to go for jeff jarrett's crown yes. no no one's no no one's taking the no one's taking the jarrett crown <laughs> as, I, as i've said before we have the six degrees of jarrett yes and yes. that isn't changing. So this raid would, uh, they would regain the belts actually nine days later at a nitro taping. With the rest of 1995 spent in a rivalry with the males, American males, January 1996 saw them lose the titles to Lex Luger and Sting. Now this gave Booker and Stevie a unique opportunity to work for New Japan Pro Wrestling in their Hyper Battle 1996 tag show, even having an IWGP tag team title match against Shinya Hashimoto and Jinji Hirata. Which I now. believe you could actually there is footage of that. The match might be on YouTube, because uh, I don't know where I got it from, so I watched it the other day. It's a solid now, match. I, I was going to say... That match must be quite stiff. <laughs> it yeah. absolutely was. You know the like the the like the side thrust kicks that Booker does. He was putting yeah. some a little bit extra mustard on those. Because I can't lie, the idea of Stevie Ray and Shinya Hashimoto being together sounds dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely does, and it absolutely was. So they were. Return- I'm gonna have to fight now. I can't lie. Oh, please do. It is, as I said, it is a solid match. They would return to WCW in April and win the tag titles for a fifth time in a triangle match against Luger and Sting and the Steiner Brothers on a June episode of Nitro. Now, this began a series of solid matches with the Steiners, which saw Booker and Stevie lose and regain the titles in July. Now, look, as a little aside, this brings us to Hogwild 1996 in August. Why am I bringing this up? Well, Hogwild took place in Sturgis during a bikers meeting convention. Yeah. 
This is a bit of an infamous infamous moment, as the crowd of predominantly white bikers did not take well to seeing two black men wrestle. Now, no, Steve- 1996, by the way. Yes. Uh, Stevie Ray has <coughs> gone on record stating that if he was feeling the reaction, uh, that he was feeling reaction, sorry, and given the opportunity, he would have defended himself and his brother if it got too much. Even if these, I don't blame him. Even if these toothless and sad bikers were Hell's Angels. No, I don't. No, but like you know, obviously the people around you are dangerous, and you're you're literally putting yourself under pretty much in. I was going to say in in enemy territory, but that's not really the right phrase for it. You know, you're in doing this. You've now recognised that you are very much in danger. Yeah. So him being like, I would be prepared to defend myself. Yes, I would have protect, I would not protect have, your life. I would if not you're going to be there. You should have seen Stevie Ray's face in this entrance, because uh, I would not have blamed him if he jumped the rail and uh, jumped the guard no. rail and kicked the shit out of them. Even though, as I said, the whole crowd was nothing but white bikers that got in that show for free because, of course, Eric Bischoff's yeah. a massive fan of Harleys and so would always wanted to have that as a holiday. Ugh. So, late September 96, Harlem Heat, within the span of a week, lose and regain the titles for a seventh time. Can you see a pattern Oh, here? WCW. Oh, WCW. Against the public enemy. The newly debuting public enemy, I should say. Oh, wow. Okay. So with the rise in popularity of the New World Order, it was only a matter of time before Harlem Heat crossed paths with the Oh, I see. We're in the the Hogan arc now, are we? Yes, yes. (laughs) At at Halloween Havoc, they would drop the titles to Hall and Nash and would become baby faces after firing Colonel Parker and beating the holy heck out of him. This would, now this would be the last time Harlem Heat would win the tag titles for over two years. I would have expected at this time, I would have thought that they would have had quite a rivalry with Hall and Nash. You know, give them a very established tag team in WCW uh, as they, you know, as they, you know, with the New World Order, give them something to sink their teeth into. But no, after only a few house shows uh, with Hall and Nash, they never really challenged for the titles afterwards, really. Again, again, we're, we're we're in the Hogan arc. Indeed. <laughs> Can you see where I'm going with this statement? <laughs> <laughs> so, 1997 saw Harlem Heat start off their uh, with rivalries against Public Enemy and the Steiners, and Spring Stampede saw Booker and Stevie go up against Lex Luger and the Giant in a four corners match. And yes, this is the pay per view that Booker T did the now infamous <laughs> "We Coming for You" promo. <clears throat> Now I've got hey, noted down no. here. Listen, discuss. Okay. Discuss. No, okay, okay. This is my time. This is my time. Yes. Right. I cannot emphasize enough. This might this is so bad, and yet it is the single most relatable moment <laughs> I have ever seen a black wrestler do. <laughs> So, just put it out there. I hate the N word. I don't yeah. use it. I'm like, I'm not one of I'm not one of those black people who use it. I'm like I'm I'm of the opinion that it's that it's just a word that just that just just die. It mm-hmm. should just die. However, the arguments that like I've heard that you know reclaiming it and blah blah blah. You know what? That's fair. I I won't. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue the case. Just I'm not gonna use it. And please don't call me it. If you even if you're black. Please. 
With having that been said, having heard it enough times in various different contexts, although to a lesser extent because UK slightly lesser in the in the UK. Yeah. My point is that moment is such a oh honey, oh no, <laughs> yeah. oh no. <laughs> you, you, it was like the worst part is it's a great promo. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the oh honey. Like, like, yeah, that's the funny thing about it. Because mm. for me, it's like, uh, I've, I've, from what I've heard it explained, is that it was just him, like, I was getting, like, Booker T said, like, I was just getting so passionate and so riled yeah. up and so ready. It just slips out at the end. And, it's, and I'm just like, oh, no. It's the immediate, like, as soon as it slips out of his tongue, he goes, oh, fuck, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I can say, like the thing that the thing that I love about it so much that makes it so relatable is just that instant moment of he goes, "I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I should not have said that." And it's just him turning and just putting his hand in his his head in his hand, being like shaking his head. Do you honestly like? Do you think Sherry makes that moment better because she sees what Book has done and she's she like trying to sees, comfort him? Yeah, and so she's trying to comfort yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's perfect. I, I, I think one of, also one of my favorite bits of it is is just Mean Gene's face and knowing he has to continue because he has to talk to Stevie Ray. So it's just Can this I moment. Say- it's just this moment where he's just like, "What do I do?" And then just turns. <laughs> Can I just say how much? You know, Mean Gene is such a fucking professional. Yes. Because he did not break at all. No. He just kept going. And I'm like, every time I see it, I'm like, credit to you, Mean Gene. There wasn't like even have, a pause. Like you, have, you have that moment of like brief confusion. And he's just like, okay, just let, let's just keep going. Yeah. I think he's the just only like, thing we, that would have broken Mean Gene's uh, concentration as if something from the set behind them fell down. He would have gone, fuck yeah. (laughs) But like that, genuinely, the thing you said though, that it's, it's, everything about it is such a good promo and there's just that one moment and you're just there like, oh, I feel so bad for you because you didn't, you had no intention of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You feel for Booker in that one. You, you really feel do. for him. But on the other hand, on the other hand, like, frankly, like, if not, like, I, I often think, like, what promotion would, would that absolutely have flown? Like, <laughs> like, because I'm like, I keep feeling like there's got to be a there's got to be a promotion where that actively would have been like, no, nah, that's cool. You would absolutely accept that. I don't know. I don't know. Something I think about. It's something I legitimately <laughs> think about. Oh, yeah. Same. I must <clears throat> say as well, chaps, if you've not seen it, I highly recommend the uh, going back and watching the, the WWE Network version of this because... Oh, my God. Because oh God. you'll love <laughs> that they dubbed over uh, what he said with Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, Hogan. <laughs> Why couldn't they have just you? Why couldn't they have just you, sucker? That's what Booker T. I was like, what Booker T's known for in W. Hogan, we're coming for you, Hogan. That makes no sense. What? 
that's amazing. I love it. Oh, I love it so much. That's, oh my God. that's why I highly recommend the the network version. Anyway, <laughs> shall we what? move on, chaps? I mean, we should, but I, I just hate that so much. <laughs> There's so many better things that you could have used. <laughs> oh. oh, God, my face Oh, hurts, the network. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, so let's move on. July 1997. Saw Sherry fired from the heat, and they added Jacqueline as a manager. Amazing choice again. So September had, September had them put out of action by the NWO and then feud with the Faces of Fear, Men and the Barbarian, which are my, if, if anyone knows the backstage uh, 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 reputations of Haku and the Barbarian, you know that that's one hell of a tag team that you yes. don't mess with. <laughs> Stevie Ray would be put out of action for several months due to injury and, Jack, and with Jacqueline, uh, Jacqueline, I should say, leaving for the WWF, Booker T was given the opportunity to compete in the singles division. And now here's where Booker would find great success, <clears throat> eventually capturing the WCW TV title and having a tremendous best of seven series with um, with Stephen Richards. <laughs> Stephen Richards. He also, at this time, had a clean win over Bret Hart. I mean, all I'm going to wow. say is... We know Brett's for the culture. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, God. Now I'm trying to imagine Brett Hart at a barbecue. I can't imagine it. I mean, he's already got the denim. He's 1,000% rocking up in denim shorts. And you know you know those Uncle Sandals, like, like the, 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 the oh, level ones that go yes. all over the foot? Yeah. They've, like, they've got like the, you know, it's like the straps and they all meet in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got the buckle on the back. He's one billion wearing percent wearing those in the denim shorts. Yes. (laughs) T-shirt that's one one size too big for him. Maple leaf shirt, of course. Yes. (laughs) So when Stevie Ray uh, ended up uh, returning to WCW, for some bizarre reason, he joined the NWO and Harlem... I mean, again... Again, uh, I I believe the phrasing is... <clears throat> WCW circa 19 say 1998 yeah. 99 yeah WCW circa 1998 <laughs> of course if everyone knows Stevie Ray's time in NWO he was part of the B team <clears throat> fighting for leadership between him and Virgil make of that what you will um so Holland Again, hit. it uh, it's it's so funny when people talk about like the NWO and they're like this is like a pillar of wrestling, and then like you look at the NWO for more than like two seconds, and you're like, Jesus Christ, this was bad. Don't make me list off all the members of the NWO again. You don't need to do it again. <laughs> so and you pro- hopefully you don't have to for like another hundred episodes. So oh Christ, I'm hoping anyway. As I said, Harlem Heat was seemingly no more until mid. 1999, Booker finally convinced Stevie to leave the NWO and reform Harlem Heat. They captured the tag titles against the Jersey Triad, the team of Bam Bam, Bigelow and Canyon, to win a record-breaking 8th tag team title. I can't lie, that sounds like that would slap. Yeah. (laughs) Although, because it was WCW at this time, it didn't involve the NWO, it probably got like 7 minutes. It it got 7 minutes, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They would lose them to the West Texas Rednecks of Barry and Kendall Windham 
accompanied okay. by accompanied by uh, Kurt Hennig because as we know that Minnesota boy is so Texan. Yeah, one billion percent <laughs> Texas redneck. <laughs> and recaptured them at Fall Brawl 1999 on an October 1999 <laughs> edition of Nitro. Conan and Rey Mysterio Jr. of the Filthy Animals won the tag belts from the Heat. But the Heat would win them back for a legendary, a legendary tenth time in a triangle match against the Animals and the first family, the team of Hugh Morris and Brian Nobbs. They would drop the tag titles one day later. WCW booking, everyone! WCW! <laughs> this brings us to Harlem Heat 2000. <laughs> In late 1999, a female bodybuilder known as Midnight in WCW would join Harlem Heat. Whilst Booker was kind of up for the addition, Stevie, uh, Stevie wasn't so. Neglected her help uh, every time she would ask, uh, you know, come to the <coughs> ring for help, and uh, uh, and heads butted between Stevie Ray and Booker. Ray would eventually challenge Midnight in a match to decide whether she would stay with Harlem Heat. After being defeated with a small package, Stevie Ray turned on both Booker and Midnight. And in February 2000, Stevie Ray formed Harlem Heat Incorporated with the former Ahmed Johnson, now known as Big T, Cash, formerly known as 4x4 from the No Limit Soldiers, and Jay Biggs. And they would refer to themselves as Harlem Heat 2000. Now, I mean, the only thing you need to know is it has Ahmed Johnson in it. So, like, just from that moment, you just need to be like, okay, so this is the road we're going down. Oh, boy. Now, here, here's where it gets worse. Now, because Stevie Ray had incorporated the name Harlem Heat, Booker T had lost the rights to his music and the T to his name. Oh, my God. Oh, I forgot man. about that bit. Yeah, so he so for the longest time he was simply referred to as Booker. Uh, Wrestling. So Harlem Heat 2000 won the rights to the original Harlem Heat name when Big T pinned Booker on the February to get the T out of his name at the Super Brawl 2000. Oh man. Uh, he would. Uh, so here's the thing. Booker would end up using a like a like a trumpet version of the rap sheet theme. It was known here, as I saw in my research, it was known as the Woodchuck's Game. Make, what? Make of that what you will. Okay, that's someone who took a default song name and just didn't change it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, literally none of that makes any sense and has zero connection to anything. And thus saw the last of Harlem Heat as Stevie Ray was for some bizarre reason would go on and keep teaming with Ahmed Johnson. Uh, you know, but air and a toothy boy and juice make sugar that that, that uh, lads yeah, juice well make sugar. That lads well. And Booker would end up uh, eventually being called G. I. Bro and team up with Again. the No Soldiers. <laughs> It's uh, crazy to think about the fact that that came all the way around. Yes. Like, from when he was in WWA <laughs> all the way around to then WCW in, like, two... When when did he become G.I. Bro? He became G.I. Bro mid-2000. Yeah, so all the way around from then to, like, mid-2000. 
it was amazing to know, as to see uh, and find out that soon after that they dropped that and Booker T became Booker T again, and the rest is history because he would go on in that year to become a five-time, five-time, five-time WCW champion. Of course, having a rivalry with Jeff Jarrett. There we go. There it is. There it is. We've returned to normal service, everyone. <laughs> but that isn't the end of this story, where where you'd think it would end, because uh, they had a very loving, loving last hurrah, all the way in 20, 2015. Not 2020-15, is what I meant to say. <laughs> so, Booker T and Stevie Ray reunited as Harlem Heat fight one last match in Booker's own promotion Reality of Wrestling and in the event was called The Final Heat uh, they would go up in the main event against the new Heavenly Bodies for the ROW Tag Team Championships and would be successful uh, and that is where we end and that where they end uh, and retired the Harlem Heat but not before of course being inducted into the Hall of Fame. A well-deserved induction into the Hall oh, of Fame. Oh, well, well, well-deserved. Well-deserved. <clears throat> and thus ends this tale and the chronicle of one of the most legendary tag teams in WCW, and I would say even in black history, uh, Harlem mm-hmm. Heat. Amazing. <sighs> you know, this one thing that we have to talk about, that we haven't talked about, which I was making sure that we <laughs> talked about. Yeah. The absolute, absolute god tier entrance music. There's a reason oh, yeah. why Booker always asked to them to renew the rights to Rap Sheet. Yeah. Because just, it's fucking slap. It's, it's great. Just the best. And it crazy like, that they ha- that Booker has had that theme song since 1993. Because when you've got it right the first time, yeah, but that that shit's evergreen. Mm. <laughs> like it, it's genuinely just so good and so fit for purpose that you could have it at any time, and it would probably it almost definitely work. Yeah, because <laughs> this is also a really, I guess thing that isn't spoken about maybe enough for some people but also one of the things i want to say about harlem heat was the singlets oh yeah because i ain't never seen anyone with with gear like that ever since no i think it looks great though Mm. even if it does like in my head only suits them i don't think anyone else could have them (laughs) no i couldn't ever i could never see like kofi and biggie wear those (laughs) but like the the long singlets with like the overalls and like the almost like the buckle in the middle mm-hmm. i think that looks great mm. and you know i think it again i think it's all it's all a little bit a little a little bit of part of the presentation exactly exactly <laughs> i think kevin nash said it i think like kevin nash said it best i believe and i think it might have been in an R, rf video shoot talking about the heat that they were kind of like the very, like very few black wrestlers in major, like in yeah. major promotions that were allowed to be black. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> yeah. Although it is weird as hell that they're called Harlem Heat and been from Texas <laughs> and build, and also they're not even billed as being from Harlem. Yeah. No. 
Like they're built from Houston. Actually, they you... in the beginning they were built from a hundred and tenth street in Harlem, New York, and then it was okay. Houston, Texas. <laughs> I see. All right, but it's kind of like, yeah, but Houston, but... Houston, Harlem, yeah, same difference, right? <laughs> those Houston. people, those people over in Atlanta aren't going to think about that. Exactly. Oh, God. Also, may I just say that this tag team as well gave us. Uh, the birth of one of probably one of the most underrated top rope moves, the Harlem Hangover. Which is great. Oh, yeah, that's a great move. I love the fact that Booker almost took Triple H's head off with that at WrestleMania 19. <laughs> <laughs> you get what you deserve. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, th- I mean, there's so, there's so much we can say, because like, I've always said one of my favourite Booker T moves is the side- is Booker's sidekick. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems so saucy. It's just you know what it is. It's just that. It's just that Booker T just has the legs of a of a kicking person. Yeah. Yes. Like like, can you imagine that man performing Capoeira? Every person is dead. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. It just it just looks like such a it just looks like such a good move, especially when he obviously his signature sequence. Yeah, you know what it is. It's like he because you know, like Booker T, like is is a funny is a funny wrestler in the way he's built. In that, when you actually think about it, he's built like a like a shorter Cesaro. You're not wrong. Yeah, I I don't. Yeah, no, I I don't think you're. I don't think you're that wrong with that. It's weird as hell when you think about it, right? He, he is one of those people that is um, deceptively strong. Mm-hmm. I'll 100% give you that. Um, and again, I think deceptively agile. Yeah, yeah very deceptively <clears throat> agile. So um, actually, while you got... Did you find out any details as to why Harlem Heat in and of itself didn't go to WWF? Like, why didn't Stevie get in? Stevie at that time was trying to wind down a little bit more in his career. Right. Uh, especially around 2000, where after the whole Harlem Heat Incorporated storyline, Stevie just kind of kind of silently bowed out of wrestling for the longest time. Uh, but they would I've from what I've heard reports and some kind like some uh, some stories in Booker's podcast, they were wanting to bring Harlem Heat in at one point in the wwe uh, especially when you know when booker you know being the top guy for the wcw after the invasion angle had kind of all died down they mm. were they were tempted they were really wanting to bring harlem heat in but um one thing led to another and it never it never uh, materialized but i would have been really interested to have seen you know what harlem heat would have been like in wwe because it would have been like oh there you go Going up against some of the best tag teams in WWE. Hell, even when they had that like one appearance, could you have imagined them going up against the Road Warriors at one point? I I foresee them having of all of the um tag teams, I foresee them being like extremely bitter rivals with the Dudley Boys. Yeah. I really do see it. That's enti- that's an entirely real possibility. That would have been you know what I mean they would have had those matches would have <clears throat> slapped. <laughs> It really would have slapped. Although, although I'm, I'm not entirely sure on um, on Harlem Heat's record with kind of hardcore matches and whatnot. I, I mean, Booker T is, is many things. I don't. I never thought <laughs> he never had a, a lot of um 
of real hardcore matches in during this time uh, interview. If, if I, unless I'm thinking incorrectly. I think he, I know he had, I know one of the things he had, it was like a street fight. Mm. He had in one feud. Mm. <clears throat> um, I think, I mean, if I'm thinking about teams kind of roughly of that time period that I would want, that I'd want him facing, honestly, I'm, I'm not sure exactly who they would work well with because there what there wasn't really anyone like. I mean, I guess I could say Harlem Heat versus the world's greatest tag team, because mm-hmm. mm. that would probably do that probably do banger numbers. If they had if if Stevie had come with Booker, uh, if there was a t- if there was ever such a scenario where they were in the invasion angle, I definitely would have loved to have seen them go up against mm. Edge and Christian. Oh, that would yes. be a very interesting match. Like I, I don't, I don't know because that's a, that's one of the few matches I have no idea what that would look like. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, called so Christ- it's, it's, it's called Christian gets bullied by Stevie Ray for fifteen oh, minutes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Christian bumps for fifteen minutes. There we go. Chris, Christian, Christian takes the Rey Mysterio lawn dart spot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but so it's safe to say that we are uh, we're all big fans of Harlem Heat, and I think their legacy has always been cemented as a as, as a phenomenal tag team, correct? Oh, I oh mean, absolutely! You know, and, uh, and ten times as, as we talk about the kind of modern revolution of of black wrestling, it's incredibly important to talk about the um, contribution that they made over time because again as i've kind of constantly referenced to we have to remember that these guys were wrestling in wcw in the south yeah with a deep southern rooted audience yeah that you know kind of by the time you pass like maryland you're entering like wwe territory wwf territory Mm. so we're talking like maryland and south and they were based in i believe atlanta georgia Mm mm-hmm which for for Stevie and Booker is probably good, but like beyond Atlanta <laughs> gets a bit sketchy. See Sturgis. <laughs> um, so again, if you want, you can definitely think about it in in the light of what they were achieving as a as a black tag team in a company that was working historically white areas. Yeah. Um, and of course, as as a black tag team within a historically white business. Yep. <laughs> it, it's it, it's been it's been an absolute joy uh, with with the research of this one, and I really enjoyed going through all of it, even if we took very two very <laughs> left left turn left of field uh, diversions there, which is like ah, but I had to bring it up because it's like it's. Again, infamous moments, but there has to be said that throughout all of their success and them being a phenomenal tag team, there are people that really didn't like them, and they had such a terrible yeah. start to begin with. <laughs> and like, obviously, I know people obviously meme that meme the one interview, mm. yeah. But like, that's kind of part of what's endeared them to a lot of fans. And I mean, I'm, in this context, I'm talking about kind of you know black fans that have come through to it later. 
And you can argue that part of their popularity, at least in the modern era, is for their unashamed blackness. Mm. Oh, yeah. I wish the one thing that got memed more, and I'm kind of glad that Matthews kept it in his opening titles for Botchamania, is the is the long Stevie Ray glare. I wish yeah. that was one that got more Cause attention. Because, like, the thing is, is that I, one of the things I have to say, Booker T has always been amazing. And to be fair, I'll have to go back and check it on Stevie Ray. Booker T's facial reactions to anything are often oh, hilarious. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> and his wife as well. God damn. Yeah. Oh, man. I feel this is giving me more of inspiration to do a Booker T retrospective. Oh, yeah. No, we'll oh, get, we'll get we'll, there. We will we'll get, get there. there. I, I'm on this podcast. We'll get Reardon, there. Reardon will make sure by blood or by brimstone. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. All right. That concludes our episode on harlem hey that one as i said was an absolute joy and i really did enjoy that one so next episode our finale to black history month and we're back in wcw and we're going to talk about the guy the man synonymous with wcw probably the most important wrestler in black wrestling history yes we're talking about the very first black world heavyweight champion in professional wrestling Ron Simmons. Oh, we're going to be talking about WCW. We're going to be talking about his early careers. We're going to be talking about Farouk. Yes, we're going to be talking about that intergalactic gladiator gimmick he had when he debuted. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about the one thing that JBL is actively on the ball with. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, leading to his Hall of Fame career. And basically... Being able to have a career renaissance on one word alone. <laughs> so good. So Look, good. when it works, it works. It works. <laughs> <laughs> All that is to cover next week's episode. But until then, I have been Sam. This has been Dan and Reardon. And you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag podcast. As always, we will see you on the next one. Okay. Bye, everybody. Everyone, three, two, one. Can you, Can you dig, dig it? it? Sucker! Sucker!